98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. On this Thursday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, we are live from the Auction Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Not much, my friend. What's going on with you? What do you Us? got? Getting ready for Philly Week. Eagles coming to town. Yeah, you are going to have a, a guy from Philly on it. Things are good in Philly right now. The Phillies are in the playoffs. The 76ers are going to be really good. The Eagles are undefeated. They got, they got, a, lot, they got a lot of things rolling uh, it, right now in Philly. They do. It, it, it's sort of, I mean... God, really? Okay, when you think about it, okay, we keep drawing this parallel between the Eagles and the start they're off to. At least I keep drawing this parallel. The Eagles and the start they're off to and the Cardinals and the start they got off to. Was it not? I mean, think about this time a year ago in Phoenix sports. Suns. Cardinals were 4-0. The Suns were coming off an appearance in the NBA Finals and, and poised to go after it again. Times were great, right? Like, we were, we felt like we were sitting on top of the mountain. Not with our baseball team. Okay, they weren't very good last no, year. No, they don't. They don't really apply. And not with our hockey team either. So maybe times are better in Philly. But right now, if you're a Philly fan, you got a 4-0 Eagles team. you got a Philly team that's made the playoffs for the first time in God only knows how long, right? You are you are the, the lord of all you see. You know, if you're in Everything's Philly. Good. Everything. Everything's and, and that good. was... That was us a year ago. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you're looking at him going, okay, that was kind of, kind of, we went through that because the Suns, we felt like we were on top of the NBA mountain and, and, and Philly's going through the same thing. I'm a little jealous, a little envious yeah. of them. Yeah, they, once it's they fun. got the Phillies in the playoffs, they're all excited about that. I'm looking forward to the baseball playoffs. I am too. Yeah. I am too. I, what's I've, our first game? Uh, I think it's tomorrow? the Rays and tomorrow? the Guardians tomorrow morning. It's like a triple header tomorrow. Do you know? <sighs> no, it's a quadruple header. <sighs> oh my okay. goodness. All, all four. Are playing Tomorrow, every okay. day, oh, Friday, man. Saturday, and Sunday. I now, love that. Sunday, they might not need them because it's a best of three, mm-hmm. but tomorrow, all four games. Bang, 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 bang. You're in for David Peralta? Um, not okay. as no. much. One, no, I, I just give me, give me a guess here. 161 at bats for Tampa Bay. 161 okay. at bats. What am I guessing? Batting average? How many, home runs, how many home runs did he hit? Oh, jeez. Uh, two. None. None? Okay. The he, Rays don't hit home runs. They, yeah. have, they, they don't hit home runs. Did he hit? David Peralta hit. He hit 12 with the Diamondbacks. He hit zero with Tampa Bay. North or south of 240? Batting average is two fifty five. Okay, north north of two forty. They are a little bit better than what it was yeah. here at two forty eight. Zero home runs in a hundred and sixty one at bats. Yeah, for David Peralta. This one's easy for me in the American League. I root for the Mariners because it's been forever since they've been in the playoffs. I think it's a fun story. And Robbie Ray's there. And in the National League, it's easy. I root for the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt, and not just Goldschmidt, but but Pujols last year, Wainwright mm-hmm. last year, Yadi Molina last year. Right, that's a real feel good kind of deal right there. So it. To me, it's easy. I, I root for the Mariners in the American League, the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League. I don't know if I'm going to get my wish, but that's what we're pulling yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, also around here, we're pulling for a Cardinals win on Sunday. Are we going to get it? That's our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Jalen Hurts yesterday professing to have a lot of respect for the Cardinals quarterback. Since I was in high school, I always had a lot of respect for Kyler. You know, Texas is a big, a really big state. Um, 
them, and it's a football state. So it's, that's that's what it is. And um, you know, I, I always you know remember him, you know, doing his thing in the DFW at Allen. Um, won a lot. Of, I mean, won every game he played in in high school. You know, what I'm saying that's that's very impressive. And he was able to do great things at OU um, in his collegiate career, winning the Heisman, and um, off to a great start in his career. Now I'm doing great things, so I have a lot of respect for him. All sorts of comps uh, between these two guys. All great state of, of Texas. Yeah. Both were raised there, about 300 miles away from each other. Uh, with the high schools, both guys transferred to Oklahoma to finish their careers in college. They were never teammates. You know, Murray won the Heisman in 2018, and then uh, Hertz joined the Sooners the following year after he transferred from Bama. And, you know, you look at their careers and how they unfolded, and now they're going to meet for just the second time. They're going to meet as pros for the second time. Now, Hertz has emerged as legitimate MVP candidate. He's on a team that's undefeated and, you know, has a chance to win a Super Bowl. The Eagles' offense is explosive. They're scoring a lot of points. But you go back to December 20th of 2020, and you look at that game when they played against each other. December 20th, 2020, the first and only Hurts and Murray matchup. The Cardinals won that thing in a shootout 33-26. to But listen to this. Hertz was a rookie at the time. He had 401 combined yards in that game. I remember well. He had four touchdowns, three passing and one rushing. Kyla Murray had 406 passing yards, and he had four touchdowns. Birds, that was a hell of a game. Yeah, I, I I remember that for different reasons. I remember that game very well, um, honestly, because it was it was about two weeks before my father passed away, and it was just chaos in our lives. Right, my brain was scrambled. I wasn't coming to work because my dad was sick. Remember, you were working a lot back then. So, and I remember watching that game, thinking this game is the state of my brain right now. Right, like it was just so frenetic. It was so hectic. It was so chaotic. It was so like I. I I barely remember who won that game. I just yeah. remember how crazy it was because it seemed like every time Kyler or Jalen Hurts touched the ball, they scored, right? Like every time. And it was just this. And the Cardinals, of course, were still trying to see if they could get into the postseason. They were hanging by a thread, hoping that maybe they could get in if some crazy Larry, stuff happened. Larry Fitzgerald had a touchdown catch from Kyler Murray in that game. DeAndre Hopkins won it with a 20-yard touchdown pass from Kyler Murray. Mike Nugent with the kick. In the game, you go back and you think it wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, we're not even talking two years ago right now. Chase Edmonds was and Kenyon Drake were the running backs. Dan Arnold was on the team. Keyshawn Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald had a touchdown, like I said. And uh, and the Cardinals won that game 33-26. But Jalen Hurts, 11 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown in that game. Yeah, And he had the 338 yards passing with, two touch- with three touchdowns. Did not get intercepted. But he got sacked six times. Now, it's a much different offensive line. Sure. But the Cardinals got Dennis Gardeck had two sacks against him in that game. The Cardinals had six overall. The Eagles are so different. Than they, so different. So different than they were back then. I, I don't know how different the Cardinals are. They're different, but I don't know if they're that different. The Eagles are, it's like a transformation before our eyes. And and what's funny about drawing parallels between Kyler and Jalen, and it's easy to do so. Texas guys, they both went to Oklahoma. They both transferred to Oklahoma, right? There's a lot of easy kind of natural parallels. I think one of the big ones will be for Philadelphia, depending on how the season ends and what they do. 
does Philadelphia extend Jalen Hurts the way the Cardinals extended Kyler Murray? It's a similar. It's a similar trajectory. Yes. It's a similar contract. It's just probably a, a year later, and, and you know the the minute yeah. you do, now you're robbing yourself of some of that ability to go out and sign big name guys, right? Because you've tied up so much money in your quarterback. But if Jalen Hurts goes out there, if Jalen Hurts goes out there, and they win the Super Bowl this year, the pressure on the Philadelphia Eagles to come through with a big Kyler Murray like contract for Jalen Hurts will be a and just like Kyler, I think there's still some questions about whether Jalen really is the long-term guy. I mean, remember we talked about this yesterday. He was drafted 40, 53rd overall. Late second round. Strictly to be the Carson Wentz backup. That's yep. the only reason why he was there. Not not as He wasn't seen as some quarterback of the future. It was, hey, he'll be a good backup. Let's go get him. Kyler was drafted number one overall. There was always the expectation, dude, you are our franchise quarterback. It's almost like the Eagles accidentally stumbled on Jalen Hurts, right? Like, they didn't even really mean for this to happen. And so I'll be curious to see when it comes time to pay him, depending on what they do this year, do they pay him? Do they rob themselves of that flexibility that Jalen Hurts provides them? And if they win a Super Bowl, I don't know how they don't, right? Ask yourself the same question you asked about Kyle Murray. Do you let him go and take the chance that he goes somewhere else and flourishes? No. You sign him. Okay, the Eagles won one Super Bowl in there. They've won one Super Bowl. Their quarterback was Nick Foles. Yeah. Okay? They've, they've had franchise quarterbacks, right? Ron Jaworski was a franchise quarterback. Donovan McNabb was a franchise quarterback. Like, you're not going to let... You've got a guy. You like him. You're not going to let him go. You're going to pay him. No, you're not. But, but again, if we're drawing parallels with Kyler, one of the things that made it kind of questionable with Kyler about giving him the money was the lack of playoff success. Randall Cunningham, another, right, another yeah. franchise quarterback. The, the Cardinals hadn't had any, still haven't had any playoff success with Kyler Murray. If Jalen Hurts goes on a deep run with Philly this year, yeah. you know, they're not going to have any choice. They're going to they're going to pay him. And, they're, and even if they don't, they probably still don't have a choice when it comes to paying him. But that was the one thing that was always kind of holding Kyler back from, well, do we give him the extension? Because, you know, the playoffs were a disaster last year against the Rams. If the Eagles Eagles can go on a big run with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. That's all the justification they need. Now, unless they're okay, now this works both ways. If the Eagles are 13 and 4 and they get bounced in the second round of the playoffs, right? Or they don't even make the conference championship game at 13 and floor, then people in Philly might look at Jalen Hurts and go, I don't know, it kind of failed in the playoffs. What's your option? You always get into what your option. Yeah. I mean, you know, and if you, you don't have a go, good one, what are you going to do? You let him go, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you, you going to do? I mean, you've got a guy that you could, if you could win 13 games with him in a regular season, I think he's good enough for you to hold on to. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gimbo show here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station, it was better last night for the Suns, but it was worse because two key guys got hurt. We'll talk Suns basketball next on the Burns and Gambo show. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. Here's inbounds pass. Wider will fire the three at the buzzer. It's no good. And the Suns win. 119-115. The final score here tonight at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Honest question. Have we ever talked about the NBA preseason as much as we've talked about it so far this year? Never. Right? Ever. I think coming off the year that they were in the bubble... We did because we had expectations that you know Things that they were going to be, be a playoff that they were going to be a playoff team. Remember, they, they yeah. could be a six seed, like they have a shot to be the play. They, they got Chris Paul. They're going to be the play. Yes, after the bubble, then they got Chris Paul. 
Kelly Oubre was gone. Ricky Rubio was gone. Aaron Baines was gone. And a new group of guys was coming in, led by Chris Paul. And I do remember us, you know, talking about the Suns in the preseason okay. because the expectations were they were going to make the playoffs. You're probably right. I just, like, I went home last night after the show, and you were working from home yesterday, so you were already there. And I came home, and I, I put on the Suns preseason game, and my wife said, preseason? I'm like, well, yeah, and I kind of laid out the reasons why, you know, and there are legit reasons, but it just seems odd because it, I don't really remember not for all those years when the Suns were bad, there was really no reason to pay attention to the Suns preseason games, but now, I'd, even when they're good, I don't remember last year, I don't remember talking about preseason games for the Suns, I just remember looking at my watch waiting for the regular season to start, right? I don't remember preseason game number we two looking being at our, a thing, right? I thought we were looking at our watch waiting for the playoffs to start. Well, There's going to be a slog to get through this. <laughs> Maybe we were. Suns beat the Lakers last night, 119-115 and yeah, just a preseason game but still worth talking about and let's not bury the lead. Right off at the top, the reason why it's worth talking about is within mere moments of the game starting their two cams got hurt, right? Cam Johnson with a right thumb sprain. Cam Payne with a right finger sprain. Neither one of them played very long. And first and foremost, before you talk about anything else that happened last night, you got to start with that and the concern about those two guys. Not worried about them missing a ton of time, but we've talked a lot about this bench and kind of where the soft spots are. Those are two guys you could ill afford to lose for a while if you're the Suns. There's just no way you can't. I mean, you know, we'll talk about the bench in a second because that's a big thing. But yeah, I'm trying to get an update on the two guys. I mean, campaign didn't return. He had the hand injury. He played a minute and 17 in a the game and he sprained his right finger. Um, Cam Johnson left the game, uh, injured his hand on a play. So you've got two of your key players that, that hurt their hands. Now, we'll wait to get an update from the Suns to, you know, to see how that is. I don't think anybody's overly concerned right now. Yeah. But no, you're right. Those are two guys that they could ill afford to lead. I mean, what do we, we talk about? Who, who was the first guy off the bench? Last it, night was, was a little skewed, but it was yeah, Damian Lee, right? It was Damian Lee. He was the first guy off the bench, replaced Cam Johnson, you know, with, with the injury and everything when he sprained that thumb, and then he didn't come back in the game. So, you know, you, you just look at the bench, you know, Dario, he came into the game in the second quarter, but he played with Chris Paul and Landry Shamit and Torrey Craig and then Jock Landale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, you know, he came off the bench as well. And, uh, you know, he did a good job. I mean, he's, he's an interesting player. He's a little bit different than most of your backup centers. He's a third string guy, but he could get some opportunities because he could shoot the ball a little bit, but he he played extremely well. So I think that's the thing we were looking at most of all. How does Mon- but it was hard last night because of the injuries on, on how Monty used his guys, but we always I always like to pay attention to the rotations and when guys come in and who they play with because I think that's a good sign on what Monty's thinking. Yeah, and that being said, I mean, that was probably the number one reason to watch last night, right? Because yeah. the bench was mm-hmm. so bad against that Australian so team on Sunday, you wanted to see improvements. And, and we definitely saw improvements last night from the Suns bench. In fact, honestly, they, they were, I mean, if you look at the plus-minus minutes, they were the reason why the Suns won that game last night because they played, not that anybody cares about wins and losses. No, no Anthony Davis for the Lakers. Right, no Anthony Davis. LeBron James was 23 points in 17 minutes. He played a really good game last night. Hey, did you see those, play? a couple of blocks on McHale. Oh yeah, a couple of blocks. Back-to-back threes. He looked as lively as ever last night Man. in that game. I think 
I mean, if we're talking about takeaways from last night's game, okay. and again, with it being a preseason game, man, my, my eyes kept going to Landale last night. You mentioned him a second ago. Mm-hmm. He was the first center in off the bench, not Biombo, not Dario playing at center. He's a very active screen setter, so you think that Chris Paul might like playing with him in the pick-and-roll game. He's not shy about taking threes. He attempted four. He made two of them last night. He's very active on the boards. He, he really is very aggressive in going after the rebounds. And, and I know it's really, really early. Haven't even started the regular season yet. We're still two weeks away. But of the three new guys, you the like ones, Lawndale the most? Well, he's, yeah. he's the one that popped last night. Uh, Okogie can't play. He's hurt. Um, I thought Damian Lee. Lee was okay last night. Landale, I, I liked what I saw, even though it was just a preseason game. Yeah, Lee's a journeyman guy. He's more of, to me, more of a 12th man. I don't think he'll play very much. I always thought that the three signings, Okoji, he can't shoot the ball like at all. I mean, he had a hard time getting in games the last two years. Supposed to be a good, solid defender. He's long. Um, but I don't know that he's any better than Alfred Payton. We'll see. I didn't think any of those guys were significant signings. Londale's the one guy that's intriguing because he's just different. He's different as a center. He does shoot the three. right? He's probably more of a third string guy. He's okay, but he could shoot the three a little bit. So that's why I think he's intriguing. This will be an opportunity for him here, and I think there will be matchups where you want a center that could shoot, and Londale could, you know, unlike DA, who can't shoot the three, or Bismack Biombo, who can't shoot the three. Londale can give you that floor spacing as a center. Even McGee can't shoot the three. So that's a different guy. He's different than the other guys you've had here. And it was just curious to see him. I mean, Biombo didn't play. Dario Sharj played 16 minutes. I mean, Landale only played 15, but he was he was the main backup big. He was the main backup center, and I don't know if that's just because of this particular matchup, and that's if it's going to be matchup-based, or, or is he advancing past Bismack Biombo as the backup center? I don't know. It's, you can't reach that conclusion after one preseason game. I just know in those 15 minutes, he was very hard not to notice. He was yes. very, he was very, almost like a like an actor in a movie. Like every time they're on the screen, you go, man, he just he, he, all those. He, he was kind of like that. Where every time he was out there, he was good. Dario Sharich, it was good to see him back on the floor, right? Yes. And sixteen minutes, twelve points. He was four of seven from the floor. He took three pointers. He made one. Um, it was good to see him out there. He is a a guy that I think, as the season wears on, is going to be counted on more and more to provide a lot of different things for the Suns team if everything roster-wise stays exactly the way it is. Yeah, the Dario from a couple of years ago, if they get him back before the injury, that's a nice piece. You know, a Dario that's recovering from a knee injury and he and he's just not the same guy, like that's that's going to hurt them because they did, you know, with no Jay Crowder and with no JaVel McGee, you're looking for somebody to step up. He's got the potential to do it. Like we've, man, he was your favorite player because of the things that he was yes. able to do because he's another guy, you know, that spreads the floor, can shoot the ball a little bit, good passer, big wide body, tough to move. So, yeah, when he's playing at his best, he can really, really help, especially the second unit. Third one that I'll give you from an observation from last night, and I know better than to count on this. I know I can't count on this. Landry Shamit looked good. He looked aggressive. He was looking for his shot. He, with campaign out, he was running the offense when he was out yes. there, right? He was yeah. the initiator. 
creator. He was the point guard. He's so wildly inconsistent, and to count on that is fool's gold. But man, in those twenty minutes that he played, he looked really. That's that's, that's a, what that's they need. That's, that's a huge. That's cake. the version of him they're going to need no every single night. Yeah. You know, we were not impressed with him at all. We were not impressed with Landry Shaman at all to the point where, like, man, if they could have traded him this season, I would have been all for it. But he did play pretty well, and he shot the ball very well, right? Four out of six from deep, um, and at five out of nine overall. I mean, he played well. If he can give them that shooting, the thing that I'm really... We're talking about shooting, right? Landale, Landale shot the ball really well. Okay, um, you know uh, Landry shot the ball really well. I I, I want to see that toughness defensively, and that, you know without Jay, without Javale, we're going to want to see that. Yeah. Can they lock guys up? Can they defend better? And and that's that's the thing that I'm going to keep my eye on. You know, Tory Craig actually started in the second half. He came out. He started at the power forward spot. Um, so we'll just keep our eye on that. You know, Tory could be a good long defensive player. And he can help at times. Week five of Bix Picks kicks off tonight. Text the word PICK to 620-620. Sign up. Compete against Dan Bickley. For your chance at the grand prize, 75-inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers as well. So text the word PICK to 620-620 to enter. If I were to say to you who is the biggest disappointment for the Arizona Cardinals this season, who immediately springs to mind? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Zach is in for Eric Ruby today. Zach, welcome. Always good to see you. Good got, to see you guys as well. Got a Twitter poll question for us today. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo is where it's at. Two and two starts. Everything's, you know, I was going to say everything's okay, but, uh, you know... Some of the our eye test hasn't exactly been great with the Cardinals so far, but record wise, they're where they need to be. Y'all are trying to get clickbait. Oh, stop it, Cliff! <laughs> until until we get D Hop back around here. So with that in mind, it hasn't been a great start to the season. Right. What's our question today? Com- compared to the Com- previous, compared two to seasons. the previous yeah. seasons, and maybe what expectations were. It hasn't. It hasn't always passed the eye test. What do you have for us for a poll question? Yes. Today? So of the following players here, who has been the biggest disappointment for the Cardinals? so far this season. Is it wide receiver A.J. Green, star backer Isaiah Simmons, running back James Conner, or edge rusher Marcus Golden? There's a method to our madness, by the way, and you'll see it here in a minute Okay, why we're asking this question. Who has been the biggest disappointment? With a uh, no sacks for Marcus. Yeah. James hasn't been great. Isaiah who was the first one? AJ. AJ Green. I had such low expectations for him, so I'm not. Uh, I'm ruling him out. I'll say Isaiah. Yeah, it's Isaiah. It's I'll say Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. And I bet he's running away with it. You, you are exactly right. I bet right. he's running away you with it. You are exactly right, Bernsey. 45% of the vote going to Isaiah Simmons. AJ Green in second with just about 30% of the vote. And then it's kind of close for last place and third place. James Conner with a .3 percentage lead over Marcus Golden yeah, who I mean, has last. I, I mean, James Conner and, and Marcus Golden, not that we don't like the other guys, but we really like James Conner and Marcus Golden, right? Yes. They're, they're, they're popular players with the fan base, so nobody wants to label them as disappointments. 
Um, whereas it's kind of easier with the other two because I just don't think they're as popular with the fan base. I, I would never consider AJ Green for that list because I just didn't have super high expectations for AJ no. Green going into the season anyway. No. He's, he's, I mean, he's been a disappointment, but I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Yeah, Isaiah runs away with this. The reason we're asking it, thank you, Zach. We appreciate it. Again, you can vote for it on the uh, Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find it. Um, Bleacher Report. Every NFL team's biggest early season disappointment. Now, Gambo and I debated this before the show to include the name that they put on their list in our poll question or not. Yes. And we decided not to because we thought it would be the runaway winner. Or loser, and as that, it were. And that's Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, when they did there, and I got a, I got a pretty interesting story, just talking about the, the disappointment so far. And, they, you know, you could have pay, picked anybody, and they ended up, and I'll just give you an example. For the Raiders, it was Chandler Jones. For the Eagles, it was their special teams. But for the Cardinals... It was Cliff Kingsbury. And it talked about the slow start. He goes to the way an offense starts can be directly tied to preparation. Every staff works to script the first drive, and every contest begins with a neutral game script, yet the Cardinals offense seems to sputter out of the gate on a weekly basis. Talked about Kyler showing his frustrations and the tension's gonna grow if they don't if they don't get off to better start. So makes a lot of sense. Every team's early, biggest early disappointment. Yeah. If Cliff Kingsbury was on that list, I think he would be ahead of Isaiah Simmons. On our poll question, I think yes. so too. I think he'd be ahead of Isaiah. I think he'd be neck and neck with Isaiah and Cliff Kingsbury. They, you know, listen, I, I they, think they would, they would be running away. The two of them would be running away. With not only no first quarter points, but what do they have in, in the half? What do they have like thirteen total in in the first half? Uh, I have games? to go back and look. It's not. It's not a lot. A um, lot of first downs. Not a lot of points. A lot of failures. A lot of three and outs. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's been a disaster. So yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean, I I looked at the Eagles too because the the, the Eagles. I couldn't wait to see the Eagles. They don't have a weakness. They found special teams. Here you go. We found one. They're special teams. They're 30th in yards per kickoff. There you go. That's how you beat them. They're 25th in yards per punt return. They've got, that's it. That's They, they, they yeah. went through the entire Eagles team, offense and defense, and I can't find a weakness. Yeah. How about special teams? Yeah, throw it in there. You're going through the Eagles roster. Yeah. Man, their gunner sucks. Yeah. Their punter's awful. Oh, they're, they're long snapper. He's terrible. That Man, hang time awful. is about two tenths of a second less than the average in the NFL on the hang time. Yeah, that's awful. That's just yeah. deplorable yeah. in Philadelphia. I look, I Cliff, okay, it's it's if we put him on the list, I think you're right. I think he and Isaiah Simmons are neck and neck. I go back and forth on this one and, and here's what I mean by that. You you'll you'll show me game film. We'll look at game film and there are times where there are open guys and Kyler's just whiffing on them. He's just, totally. he's just That's not why seeing them. Yeah. He's not he's not yeah. acknowledging that they're there, right? He doesn't hit them, right? And yet there's another part of me that wants to hold Cliff not responsible for Kyler not seeing open guys. That's a Kyler Murray problem. But for not designing a better offense without DeAndre Hopkins, for having all offseason to figure something out better than bubble screens and wide receiver screens and these short little, you know, dink and dunk offense plays that I think could be a lot more risky taking in a lot more, you know, out there if they wanted to be. And I, I think Cliff, you know, I've I've been disappointed 
in this offense for a variety of reasons. One of them is that they had all offseason to devise a better non-DeAndre Hopkins plan, and they haven't come up with one. I mean, unless, and that is 100% yeah. on Cliff. I mean, it may be the first team in the NFL. Just put everybody in one side of the field so Kyla can see him and then, and then run the play. <laughs> We're going to be empty on the right side, and everything's going to be to Kyler's left. Find one of the guys that's open. But, I mean, but it'd be foolish to blame everything on the offense on Cliff. And it'd be fo- I think it's also foolish to blame everything on Kyler. I, I, I think it's, you know, when they start these first halves the way they do, but I'll tell you this. Those first 15 plays they run against Philly will be the most scrutinized first 15 plays maybe the Cardinals have ever run under Cliff Kingsbury. All right, you said you were going to do it different. You said you were going to script it different. Show me different. Show me what different looks like. I want to see it. I want to see what you do that wasn't like the first four games. I don't know if we'll ever analyze the first 15 plays of a game the way we will this Sunday against the Eagles. Man, they're show under me. the microscope. Wax on. Yeah, show me. Show, show me. me. Show me something. Show me what you got. Because and then t- taking shots down the field, getting some you know pass interference penalties, having that explosive play, which they haven't had. We talked about after the Kansas City game, and I think the Rays game, like, man, why don't you just take the ball first? Take the ball. Yeah. What do you what do you, what do you, Take the ball. You've got a great offense. Take the ball. Go score. I mean, but they haven't done that. So well, they've got off to these slow starts. They haven't taken it, but there there's there's been at least once where they have started with the ball. I think twice. They did in the first two games. Yeah, I, th- I think in the last yeah. two games they did yeah. start with the ball, maybe because they, they, they lost against, the yep. coin flip. Not because they won it and they chose to have the ball. I, Cliff doesn't seem to ever want to do that. So, yeah, I, I've I've been disappointed with the offense. And Cliff, to me, as the designer of the offense, bears the brunt of that. And, and, if, and if Kyler's missing guys... I think most of that's on Kyler, but I think some of that's on Cliff to coach Kyler not to miss open guys, to better see open guys. So I get it. Life is tough without DeAndre Hopkins. I understand that drawing it up without him is probably not an easy thing to do. I'm still very disappointed on how they've done it. So Look, I, I think for Kyler, it really just continue. And listen, he's had, what do we say, 50 NFL starts for Kyler Murray. Yeah. And you're going to get to the point where if he doesn't, if, if he doesn't see it pre-snap, then he's just never going going to. Like, that's just who he is. It's going to have to be, he is who he is. I mean, how many games do you need before you can line up at the line of scrimmage, identify the Mike linebacker, take a look around, and kind of have an idea, pre-snap, where you're going to go with the football? I don't think Kyler really knows, unless it's just one play, I'm going to go to Hopkins no matter what on this play, or I'm going to go to Hollywood no matter what on this play. I just think, in looking at the game film, that there that he doesn't identify the defenses the way he should, and pre-snap doesn't have a, a good enough idea of where he's going to end up with the ball. Now, let's see how they start against the Eagles. It's going to be tougher because it's against the Eagles. But let's see how different it looks at the beginning. Like you say, more deep shots. Maybe Kyler's running more early in the game. Something different to see what they can do. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home get guaranteed offers go to higherprice.com that's higherprice.com when we come back on the burns and gambo show that cardinals injury list is long like receipt from cvs long where it just keeps coming out of the machine forever and ever coupon yes that's it's that's how that's how long the cardinals injury report is here's your points balance that's next on the burns and gambo show Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6.
on the Arizona Sports app. Are you ready? Ready. Here we go. Marquise Brown was limited in practice. Let me start with the DNP guys first. Okay. Let, me, let me start with those. You, you didn't know what I was going to hit with yeah, you, I did know, you? No, yeah. you're like, am I ready for what? A really long injury report. Max Garcia did not practice. Rodney Hudson did not practice. Rashard Lawrence did not practice. I'm going to rule out Matt Prater because he's already been ruled out. Justin Pugh did not practice. Nick Vigil did not practice. Max Williams did not practice. Uh, J.J. Watt did not practice after he was limited yesterday. Um, Guys who were limited today, Marquise Brown was limited. Zayvon Collins was limited. A.J. Green, D.J. Humphreys. Two new guys on the list. Rondell Moore, who practiced yesterday, was limited today. Sport is too physical. Trayvon Mullen, who didn't was fine yesterday, oh was God. limited today. And Ezekiel Turner was limited as well. My goodness gracious. That's okay, so what? Like, like for those of you scoring at home, okay, let's let's just do it this way. Okay, among your wide receivers, limited. Marquise Brown, One, AJ Green, two, Rondale Moore. Three. Okay. Among your offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, Rodney Hudson One. did not practice. Justin Pugh did not practice. Two. DJ Humphreys was limited. Three. Any other position I should focus on here? I don't know. You mentioned a whole lot of guys. I did, didn't I? <laughs> Defensive line? Defensive line. Uh Richard Lawrence did not practice. I think it's gonna he's got the hand. I think it's gonna be a while before he comes back. JJ Watt did not practice. Those are your defensive linemen. Okay. Uh cornerback, knock on woods. Trayvon Mellon's the only one. Um yeah, so, the, look, the, uh, we'll talk about this more a little bit later. The offensive line is the one where you go, oh, boy. Sure. Oh, boy. Right? Yeah. Because I mean, to the wide point, they just signed Billy Price. Right. Now, did we hear anything on Price's availability for this game? I'm going to try and he check is, on that. I, I believe Cliff said yesterday he is available. He's available for he, this game. He is available for okay. this game, Good. and he better be available for this game because they might. I mean, because <laughs> this is where it gets kind of squirrely now, right? I, I mean, Justin Pugh. And Rodney Hudson, all right, so now Harlow is the backup for Rod for both of them, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. So if neither one of them can go, Max Garcia is a backup at guard as well. So now if Pugh and Hudson can't go, now you put Harlow in at center. Billy Price, who just got here, is probably your starting left guard if Max Garcia can't go. It's thin. Yeah, because Harlow's got more of a rapport with Kyla Murray, and Price doesn't have any yet. Right, so, exactly. I mean, that could be the reason why. But, yeah, no, it's thin. I mean, it's uh, it's every week, you know, you just, you're hoping that you have a healthy football team. But uh, you always expect that guys are going to get hurt. It's a physical game. It's a violent game. Every week you get guys on the injury report. You have to list it, like if you're the Cardinals. Thursday, Friday is always the big day. So today and tomorrow... Those are your big days. Wednesday, you don't worry so much about. You don't right. worry so much about Wednesday. If the guys practice Thursday and Friday, it's very likely they're good to go. You, If you have a guy that does not practice Thursday and Friday, he's probably not going to play. So I never really count Wednesday's practice. So yesterday's doesn't mean so much. Today's the day. If the guy gets out there and practice, it's likely he'll end up playing. And, of course, the, the other one to worry about, too, in addition to the depth on the offensive line, the wide receiver question marks that you've got going into this game, is J.J. Watt, who's, you know, when he's been out there, and he's been out there for three of the four now, he's been good, right? He's 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 impacting these games. He's having a, a definite effect out there. 100%. And so he becomes a guy that every time he shows up 
on a list like this. And of course, with JJ, it's even deeper than that, given everything he went through last week with his heart and having to be, you know, the, the anesthesiologist sure. because he had to have his heart shock back. back into the proper rhythm and all of that stuff. But anytime you see his name on this list, you're going to take a moment's pause because he has revealed once again just how important he is to the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I defense. mean, he made that great play last week against Baker with the tipped pass that Gardeck ended up intercepting. And yeah, I mean, he's had an impact on the games, and that's what you want. I mean, you expected, you were hopeful. I don't want to say he expected it because he missed so many games last year and he's an older player, but you were hopeful that J.J. Watt could impact the game. You know, you don't have, and listen, let's be honest, I mean, he didn't lose anything in Chandler Jones. He's been a disaster with the Raiders. I mean, an absolute disaster. <laughs> I don't I don't know why I'm laughing. I don't know I'm, if I'm laughing because you're right, he has been a disaster, yeah. or if I'm laughing at how much joy you take in Chandler Jones. It's Trump both, but I, even if I didn't take the joy in it, even if I didn't take the joy in it, I, mean, I would still bring it up that he has been an absolutely non-impact player. He's been he, four games in. The Raiders are like, you know, buyer beware. Like we, this is this is um, <laughs> this is junk. You know, is there a lemon law? Can we get our money back? They wasted their money on Chandler Jones. Snap out the show and Gamble always finds a way. Like, hey, where can we talk about Chandler? I Jones? don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. You take so much joy. I do take joy in, in it. Out I do take. I do take joy in it. I absolutely take joy. It's he sucks. It's. I said it. I said it last year. I would not pay him anything to come back. Like anything. Of course, he responded. But I said I wouldn't pay this guy anything to come back, and, I'm, and I really I wouldn't have. I mean, he's not worth a hundred thousand a game. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's no good. So you didn't lose anything with him. You we always say oh, they didn't replace. It's not like they didn't bring Chandler back. It's like okay, you lost a guy because you've gotten somebody better. Well, JJ Watt, if he's going to give you a sack a game and get you double digit sacks, that's going to be that's going to be great for them. Yeah, it, it, it is a little disappointing that the pass rush for the Cardinals hasn't come at that outside linebacker spot, right? I mean, Marcus Golden has been very quiet so he far has. to start this year. Very, very quiet. Yeah, and they redid his contract. He's making more money. Yeah. You know, rightfully so, um, but he has not been... Listen, he does a lot of things, but he's not been able to get to the... Listen, quarterbacks are releasing the ball so quickly right now, but the Cardinals, they only have, what, two... Four sacks? Four sacks, is it? Three four sacks, or four I sacks? I think it's four. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I'd have to go... I think I think it's four. I think that's it's just, not just as... Just not getting not to the quarterback. as much as you want it to be. Um, of course, the Cardinals didn't go out and get a veteran pass rusher during this offseason, um, the Eagles were very active in going out and getting players this offseason, including one that you know we're very familiar with in Hassan Reddick. The, the benefit of having a quarterback who only makes about $1.9 million is you can go out and spend money on a bunch of guys. Ten veteran acquisitions making an impact at the quarter mark of the 2022 season. Two different Philadelphia Eagles made that list, and they won't surprise anybody. A.J. Brown acquired from the Titans in that trade, and then subsequently paid by the Eagles, and Hassan Reddick signed as a free agent by the Philadelphia Eagles, or two guys who made that list. Again, the benefit of having a quarterback who makes about $2 million bucks you can spend yeah. on guys like this. You can spend money, but those two guys, it was a terrific story on uh, I think it was Pete Prisco, CBS Sports, you know, you know, talking about the players that have you know made the, the biggest acquisition, Tyree Kill, top 10 veterans, and A.J. Brown. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they got A.J. Brown and he's been great for them. I think he's the only player in the league that has six catches for about you know five catches for 65 yards.
yards in every game so far this year. And it's on Reddick. I mean, getting to the quarterback, what he's done. And, you know, they actually didn't spend a whole lot of money on Hassan Reddick, so it looks like a really good signing. But that's how you win, right? You have to draft well, but you also have to find some hits in free agency. And they were able to do that with those two guys. Hassan Reddick and A.J. Brown are considered two of the best additions that a team has had so far this year. I mean, honestly, I, I keep, I'm a broken record on this one, but I keep thinking about the similarities between the Eagles this year and the Cardinals last year. I mean, for the Cardinals last year, it was J.J., it was Rodney Hudson, it was A.J., it was James Conner, it was Matt Prater. I mean, re- remember how yeah. active the Cardinals were that offseason going into the 2021 season and adding all those win-now, help-you-now guys? And, and for the most part, last year, they got it right with a lot of those guys. I, I mean, they J.J., when he was healthy, was great. A.J. statistically had a good year, even though he didn't kind of mesh with Kyler. James Conner had an incredible year, so much so Prater. that he got paid. Prater, was, Prater was solid and consistent and steady. It looks like the Eagles have kind of followed in the Cardinals' footsteps in that regard. Here's the list real quick. The top 10 guys that teams have added. Tyreek Hill uh, was number one. A.J. Brown, Khalil Mack of the Chargers, Bobby Wagner from the Rams, Marcus Williams from the Ravens, Christian Kirk was on this list. Even though they signed him to that crazy $72 million contract, Christian Kirk makes that list. Hassan Reddick, uh, Travarius Ward with the 49ers, Melvin Ingram with the Dolphins, and then Mack Hollins with the Raiders. Those are your 10 players who they say have made the biggest impact as new additions. When we come back, if you ask Vance Joseph, he says he doesn't care about the numbers on the stat sheet. He apparently is following the Herm Edwards mantra, which is, we'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show.